This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to the Principal Purpose Podcast, where principal and certified life coach Lynn Harden teaches you how to leave work at work and in between get more done with energy using her proven formula after leading three award-winning schools. And now, here's your host, Lynn Harden. I am Lynn Harden. My guest for this episode is Master Coach Jane Hilger, and she's the host of the Binge Breakthrough. She helps women in the cycle of shame around food and their bodies and chasing finish lines. We are going to talk about a lot of things, but we're going to explore the phenomena of binge eating and how to support yourself instead of shame yourself. As women and educators, you understand that food takes up a lot of mental space. Many of us can't wait until someone brings donuts or leftover goodies from a classroom party, and we just run by and grab our lunch and shove it down. I know I have gone into the lounge and it's like, what is there to eat? We also know that diets don't work. And when we just let go and eat whatever, then we gain weight. And some of us diet, binge, diet, binge, and wonder if I just have to live this way. Well, the good news is you don't, because Jane offers the world another answer. She offers the world an alternative to the diet binge cycle. So welcome, Jane. I'm so thrilled that you are here. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. Okay. Now I know, but not everyone on this podcast may know what a master certified coach is. Could you tell us? <laughs> well, a master certified coach really is a coach who kind of, it's kind of like getting your master's degree or even like your doctorate. It's additional coaching, additional, additional education an additional level of certification, which really just shows that I am able to really just coach kind of on a, on a deeper level on maybe a more advanced level than someone who, you know, has maybe been recently certified. The certification itself, I think, you know, just like there are probably some MBAs out there who may or may not be as skilled as others, you know, you may find that, but I think that who is a master certified coach is somebody who definitely takes their craft very seriously, who has been through a good amount of training and actual implementation of, of their coaching. Thank you. Thank you for that. 
So also, why did you become a coach? One, that's one question. And then why did you pick helping women who want to stop binging and feel safe in their body or safe around certain foods? So those are kind of two questions. Yeah. So binge eating is really a a very personal journey for me. I started binging. My very first binge was my first semester in college. And I proceeded to binge for over two decades. And from the moment of that first binge, once I kind of came to realization of what had happened and what I had done, I really was just determined to stop doing this terrible thing. I thought it was terrible, shameful. I felt I was broken. Something was terribly wrong with me. And I went through years of eating disorder therapists. I went through two rounds of intensive outpatient therapy at a local eating disorders treatment center, went through all, you name it. I've read all the books, done the programs, the diets, all of the things. And through the through this process, I ended up getting certified as a life coach, which was amazing. But even when I initially got certified, I was still... I kind of stopped binging, I think, through some ways that were maybe not long-term sustainable and certainly were not from a place of really trusting my body. And over time, I started really learning what were kind of the missing pieces for me, which were really kind of finding and creating safety with myself. I learned a lot about the nervous system, the impact of the nervous system, how trauma can impact our bodies and our nervous systems. And once I was able to kind of bring in that kind of safety and that trust aspect, that really changed everything for me around binging. And I think I always knew that I wanted to help other people, other women specifically who struggle with binge eating because I I mean, I get it. I understand. I understand how, how defeating it can be, how hopeless one can feel. And I also know that there, there is another way there is another answer and it it's not it's not a life sentence so many people think that binge eating is a life sentence and it's it's not so i really want to be able to just help as many people under, as as possible understand that they aren't broken and that there's just there's a very good reason why anybody who has these kind of like out of control behaviors with food there's such a good reason behind it I don't think you knew this about me, though, that in my early, I think it started in my senior year in high school, there was a lot of pressure to be very thin, Mm. would binge. It was things to try and comfort myself. And I would hit seven, we call them 7-Elevens or ice houses in Texas. So I would hit those and I would come out with big bags of food and I would overeat. And, or, well, it wasn't overeating. It was a binge because it was out of control. It was emotional and then be horrified afterwards and not understand what was going on. And I, like you, sought outside help during that time and am very grateful for that, that recovery, that recovery today. So I kind of want to dig in with that safety thing Mm -hmm. and tell me more, tell me more about safety for the women that you work with and safety. What, what is it that we're looking for? What is safety? Well, you know, I think it, 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 at the risk of sounding trite, it depends. (laughs) It really depends on the individual and really what 
a lot of people who struggle with binge eating have some sort of history of trauma of some sort. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes if there is trauma, there can be a, a, a very significant nervous system response where the nervous system really our perception of safety is very much tied into the nervous system. So the nervous system is going to respond based on its perception of safety. And the safety doesn't have to be whether it is true safety or even just a perceived threat or risk, the nervous system is going to respond to that. So if there was some situation earlier in life where there was some sort of trauma the nervous system can be more heightened to the, the perception of, of danger. And so in that case, then somebody, even as they get older, they may be constantly kind of feeling like there is danger or they, they aren't safe. Sometimes people just don't feel safe in the, anywhere really in the world. Sometimes people only have very certain kind of safe places. For some people, if there was any sort of trauma that involved the body, the body can become an unsafe place. And that can be challenging because our body is, is where we live. It's where you are all the time. And so just like you said, the, the eating can become a coping mechanism and very much even literally the very best tool you could have had at that time. And then what happens is, particularly if we are talking about the perception of physical safety, we learn to use food to kind of disconnect, to escape from our bodies, particularly if there is some sort of threat to the body. And so we can use food in that way to disconnect. But then, so we kind of have this conflict where on the one hand, the nervous system is has this perception that it's not safe. And so in order to try to create the safety, it goes to what it knows, which is using the food. But then we have this other part of us, kind of the more logical, rational part of us who thinks this is terrible. You know, I don't want to be eating in that way. It's terrible. It's, you know, I don't want to be doing that. So we have these two parts of us that kind of end up in conflict with each other. You have the part that really, truly is just trying to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And then you have this part who really wants to stop the behavior. And when we look at it, though, with shame and with judgment of, oh, I'm broken, I'm gross, I'm terrible, I can't believe I did this again, there's not room to kind of understand what might be happening kind of unsubconsciously within our nervous system, that it really is just trying to keep us safe. It's not, we're not trying to be gross or disgusting or out of control or any of those things. So when we can start to see what's happening with a different lens, it's like, ah, oh, I love to help people understand why it makes sense, how it makes sense that you do what you do with food. Because when you can see it in a new way from like this new lens of like, oh, wow, that makes so much sense, then all of a sudden you can approach the behavior and what's happening with understanding. And then you want to just work with it. Okay, well, if that's the case, then what? How do I work with myself instead of shaming, judging, hating, and fighting myself, which is what most people who binge end up doing. And I mean, what I did too for 
over yeah, two decades. I did, I did too. And yeah. it's interesting for me when I did the work, it was something that happened when I was five and I made the decision, I made the decision, I'm inadequate. I'm an inadequate daughter. I just made the decision as a five-year-old. And so for the rest of my young adult life and early, anytime there was a situation where I would trigger or didn't see or made or the thought would come up, I'm not adequate. I'm not in the way I couldn't handle it. It just was too painful. It was too hard. And so the food, it, I would use food. I would binge, really overeat. And part of it too was to kind of harm myself, kind of punish myself too. It, it is a journey. It is absolutely a journey. And I, I do a lot of work with my clients on, you know, really kind of visiting those younger versions of mm -hmm. ourselves that maybe we didn't get a certain needs met, or maybe mm -hmm. we, you know, we assumed some sort of role, some sort of responsibility that, you know, we didn't really, we didn't really get a choice when we were younger. And so I definitely do a lot of work there. I would say though, one thing that you, you mentioned that I actually disagree with okay. is that you said that you used food to kind of harm yourself and mm -hmm. to kind of punish yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is a, and the reason I want to bring it up is this is a very common thought. I think a lot of people think they use food to kind of harm themselves. Mm -hmm. I actually disagree. I think that when we end up using these behaviors, it may feel harmful mm -hmm. and it may, we may be having, you know, kind of these judgmental thoughts towards ourselves mm -hmm. that we're kind of then using food to kind of disconnect and escape from the judgmental thoughts, mm -hmm. but it comes from a very protective place. So even though it feels like we're harming ourselves, I think we end up eating a lot of food to, so that we can disconnect from the shame and the judgmental thoughts, but it's from this place of protection. We're trying to protect ourselves from the negative, but that it's not really from a place of self-harm. That's my perspective. No, uh, I thank you. And it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, there's, there's, there's a little nugget there. Thank you for catching that thought. Absolutely. We can dig in and work on that. So thank you. Mm -hmm. You, what is, we talked about, I want to talk about the shame of it because I, I just kind of get right to it. Yeah. It, I think that I don't, I would not say that I have a feeling of shame today, but during when I was using food to disconnect from my body, number one feeling was shame. So I don't think I'm alone in that. So let's talk about what is, why is it, why do we think it's so shameful? Yeah. Well, and I would say one thing that, that may be valuable too, even for your listeners is sometimes we, people hear kind of the talk about binging and they, they think like, what is binging? What is binging anyway? What is, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about how I react to the donuts in the break room, how do I know if what I did was binge, if that was a, an overeat versus a binge? And there are, I mean, we could get into the technical diagnostic, the DSM-5 and the technical, you know, definition. And we don't have to go there. But the way that I describe a binge is it's eating large quantities of food in a short period of time. And by large quantities, I mean more than what would typically be consumed by an individual at one period of time. So in a large quantities in a short period of time, typically done in secret, 
and generally with a lot of shame involved. There also sometimes it can be weird food combinations. Sometimes it's even things or foods that you wouldn't even normally eat kind of normally, typically. And the shame happens from this feeling. Shame really is this idea that I'm broken. It's, it's, I am, it's, it's very, it's, we make it personal. So we make it personal about us that I, not only did I do this terrible thing, but I am a terrible person for doing this thing, for eating in this way. And I think the shame comes because we think we're broken. It's like, I remember the first time I binged. And I don't remember actually the binge itself. I remember the first, it was, I was, I had received a care package full of little Halloween candy, essentially. And I opened up the box and I sat on the floor and I proceeded to eat the entire box. And I remember eating the first one. And then I remember being on the floor with this empty box and just surrounded by empty wrappers and just thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? And the shame comes from, I would never want anybody to know. I would never want anybody to see me eating in this way. And for me, anyway, personally, you know, I always wanted people to think well of me and people to think like, you know, have this positive association with me. I, I have generally been successful in life and it was this area that I felt not successful not, you know, that very much, I kind of had my life all in control in all of these other areas. And it was this one area where I felt like I had no control. And there was a lot of shame. I just, the idea that somebody might know that I was eating that volume of food in that way. And I very much felt broken. And the challenge with shame, shame wants to hide. And, and shame also thrives and grows in the darkness. So when we hide, when we don't tell anybody else about what's going on or what we're doing, it grows. It's like exponentially grows and grows. But the only thing that really helps to kind of clear out that shame is vulnerability and actually talking about it. So but what happens is when people have these out of control experiences with food, when they binge, there's so much shame. They don't realize just how many people are binging behind closed doors in their cars, when the kids go to bed at night, whatever it is, in the break room when there's a whole bunch of food and nobody else is around. People don't realize just how common it actually is. So we think. Like I for so long thought I was the only one. And of course I wasn't going to tell anybody because I didn't want them to think poorly of me. And so there's like the shame keeps us hiding, but it's actually in talking about it that we can remove the shame. And only when we can remove the shame and remove the judgment, only then can we start to see it in a new, in a new way and start to see how it makes sense. But we can't even see any of that if we've mm -hmm. got shame and judgment shrouding all of it. Absolutely. That's why I was so thrilled that you, and so grateful that you said, yes, I'll come talk about this because I agree with you that shame hides is sneaky. 
it's under the rock. It likes to stay in the dark. And I think the first step in recovery is to tell someone, is to talk about it. Speaking of help and talking about it, I know you have a really cool program coming up along with your private practice of one-on-one. So you've designed a program called Binge Breakthrough Blueprint. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so I'm actually really excited about this. I designed this Binge Breakthrough Blueprint for a couple of reasons. For one, primarily, the primary work that I do is I work one-on-one with clients, with individuals. I help them understand why it makes sense, how it makes sense. We do a lot of deep, personal, very curated and individualized work together. And it is so powerful. And I also wanted to create a way and a possibility for other people to get the the understanding of kind of what I see as the basics around why you binge and most importantly, how to stop. So on my podcast, I talk about the eight reasons why you binge and each reason has a solution. So there are eight solutions to ending binge eating. And we've actually touched on a lot of them already today. There are anything from understanding, just understanding, removing that shame and judgment, understanding your nervous system, connecting with your body, expanding your emotional capacity, looking at the way you talk to yourself. So many things, it it has nothing to do with actually what you eat and what you don't eat. Most approaches to end binge eating are, you know, it's kind of eat this, don't eat that, or they try to give you a very one size fits all approach. And we're just not made that way. We're all individual. We're all unique. But I have found with my work with clients, there are eight common solutions towards ending binge eating. And so what I'm offering with the Binge Breakthrough Blueprint is an eight-week program where we go through, for each week, we go through each of the eight solutions, one for each week. And I'm going to walk you through creating your own customized blueprint. So we will go through each of these solutions and I will give you examples. I will give you ideas. I will give you things to experiment with. And at the end of the time, you will know, okay, this is what works for me. This is what I'm going to do before a binge. If I even sense a binge might be coming. During when I find myself in the break room, this is what I'm going to do. If I did binge, here's what I'm going to do. Here are these other tools. Here are these ways that I'm going to start working with my nervous system and then connecting, developing trust with my body. All of these things that I think are the foundational keys to ending binge eating. We're going to do this all in eight weeks together. So it's going to be really incredible. That sounds fantastic. What a great program. Thank you. I mean, Jane, I could talk to you for hours about about this. It, it's just very dear to my heart. But I, I, I always like to ask my guests to tell us about a favorite teacher or principal who made an impact in their life and what the result was. Mm, wow. My... Gosh, there are so many that I think of, just so many different names just popped into my head. But I would say the first one was my fifth grade teacher. His name was Mr. Apple. And I think he was, he is the first person that I remember really, I feel like he is probably the first person that that even like saw 
the potential in me. And he talked to me in a way where he really, he made me feel like I was unique. I was valuable. I had something to offer and I was going to do kind of big things with my life. And his demeanor was just incredible. And I think he probably really planted some seeds, kind of interesting. His name was Mr. Apple, but I think he really planted some seeds that probably, you know, really were impactful on me for years and years beyond that. So, well, then as we close up, where can our listeners find you to learn more? I would say probably the best place to find me is at bingebreakthrough.com. Yeah. On my website, bingebreakthrough.com. I also have book and Instagram. Those are both at Jane Pilger Coaching. And that is P-I-L-G-E-R. You got it. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you, my friend, for being here and being so transparent and vulnerable about a topic that I don't think we talk enough about. I think that's right. I think the more we can talk about it, the more we can let other people know that it's, it is normal, help is out there. And the more you can actually reach out and get support there, that healing, healing is possible. It's absolutely possible for anybody. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe. And also take a few seconds to give the show a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to.